We're learning the we're learning this kuntras, this Maimer Binyani Chinuch, which is really a, as I begin each week by saying it's not techniques in Chinuch, but it's to it's to create and to develop a certain mindset and an approach of how as parents and as teachers we should feel. And therefore the 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 dagesh, the emphasis here is not on what we call in, in Hasidus muskalos. It's not we're not going through Maharals and Reb Tzaddiks and Svasamas. That's not the point. The point is a mood, to establish and create a certain mood and a certain temperament that we need as parents, as grandparents, as teachers, as mashpiyim, as those who are trying to help and to influence other Jews. And everybody here falls into one of those categories. So that's what we're learning. So this should not be understood it shouldn't be misinterpreted to think that 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 that's that we're we're going through different techniques and hadroche in how to be mechanchem. That's not the point. That would be mitzvah for another time, and, and I would love to maybe maybe mitzvah. We should all be well next summer. We could have a yushalayim a kibbutz to get together and and to do that. But right now, but right now, this I feel that we just have to have a certain a certain new and fresh way of looking at it, at the whole sugi, the whole Indian. That's what this is about. So we're on page hey. On page Hay of the Mimer from Rav Zilberberg from Yushalayim, which really Rav Zilberberg <coughs> is speaking on behalf of the tzaddikim of primarily the Talmud Yabal It's not really his own Torahs, but he brings it together in a very special way, and that's why I thought it would be good for us to do this and to be able to finish it through the summer. And if we come to the last week and it's not uh, finished, we'll have to maybe uh, try an extra time or something to make sure that we finish this this uh, country. So I'll try to say a little bit less of what my thoughts are. And to and to read a little bit together and to and to hear what he has to say. On page Hay, <clears throat> he was explaining. We were talking about this last week that that the Aleph of Chinuch of Chinuch Abbanim and Bonus of our children and his teachers is to have is to have an attitude that can be described as Sulmeroy Menechem, to have a different, higher and broader view of who our children are and what our responsibility as parents and as teachers is. And we were talking about how the last two weeks we were talking about the danger of of pachat, of being overly fearful and nervous and being filled with anxiety when it comes to being parents and teachers and how this is harmful. That the ikir is that the children should sense that we feel a schus, we feel a schus, we feel simcha in being their parents and in being their teachers. This is what we're talking about. And we're on page Hey on the left-hand column, the second paragraph beginning with the word Bifrat. Everybody see that? Bifrat. Bifrat b'dayreinu shekiyadu hudar chalash. Our generation, he says, is a very weak generation. I think we could all agree with this. That it could be the smallest little thing. And we're sent into this into this mood of atzvus, of, of depression, of sadness. It could be the smallest thing in the world, and our mood is, is violently altered, is violently changed by a klenikite, by a small thing. Therefore, we have an avoided to constantly repeat to ourselves. And to engrave deep within our souls. As Gaidal Hasimcha Vahashiva Shalainula Smaikula Hakshivulyakir, the great Simcha and the Hashivas that we should feel, we should rejoice. And to value 
כל משהו שאנו זוכים לעשות בעניין זה של ההשפעה על הנשמות הקדושות. To be machshiv, to value any, any little bit of, any little, any tiny little mashahu that we're able to accomplish in this area of chinech, that it should be something which is important to us. And we should be besimcha with this. It's explained in the Svar Makadoshim at length that we see this, that when it comes to inyonim of masa umaton, for instance, in business, if a person is not besimcha, if a person is not in what we call, it's not really a Jewish term, but I'll use it, I'll borrow it. If a person is not in a good mood, then even when it comes to inyonim of parnasa, it's very hard to be matzliach. If a person walks around with a marish chayra, God forbid, in a depressed state and feels a sense of despair, if it's difficult for him or to her to find a point of simcha, then you become lethargic in everything that you do. The Tanya explains this, the, the Tanya explains this in a very remarkable way, uh, which is Kedai, just to review in Sefer Tanya. But he explains there that we know that when two people are engaged in a wrestling match, if one really doesn't have a cheshik, if, if one of them is not, so to speak, in the mood to fight, so then there's no question that even though his opponent might be naturally, physically weaker, right, the opponent might be weaker. Nevertheless, the weaker opponent who's excited, who's besimcha, will defeat the physically stronger opponent who has no cheshik, who is lacking in desire, who is lacking in simcha, in, in the determination to fight. We see this in the Hishtalshlis of recent years, the Matzev in Eretz Yisrael, which has been a very difficult Matzev. Those years when there were Jews in Eretz Yisrael who felt a tremendous idealism regarding the attachment to the land, who felt whether it was secular or lahavdil, it was from a religious point of view. That's not my. That's not the issue now. Whether they were secular or they were not, they were religious or not religious, that tiim or chilonim. The the settlers of Eretz Yisrael, the beginning of the century, and then through the years of the Hakamas Medina and so on, to a large extent, they were filled with a certain vision and idealism. If it wasn't religious, it was secular. But the Jewish people have a homeland, and they fought with that determination. As as secular as the secular ideal became somewhat more than somewhat diminished over the years, so that cheshek to that cheshek and that drive and that simcha, the joy of having the land, has been terribly diminished, and therefore it's harder to hold on to it as we see with our own eyes. Anything wherever there's simcha, a person fights, a person wants, a person a person is filled with enthusiasm over what is his. Uh, the, the the determination of a mother to fight for to stand up for her children is is always related to the cheshik to the love that she has for the children. If God forbid the mother doesn't have a cheshik for the children, then it's very difficult to stand up and to fight and to protect and so on. As it's understood, it's clear. So the Tanya says that in a wrestling match with the Eight Sahara, which we all have through the days of our lives, to wrestle with that side, with the Sitrach, with the other side. If a person is going to be depressed and constantly worried and nervous and sad, so then even though you might naturally have great intellectual kaychas and you might be a person of great depth and great emotional range, but if your state of mood is one that is depressed, if you're sad, so then you know when a person said, you just feel like curling up, you know, usually 
usually with like a couple of pounds of ragalach or something, and you curl up someplace and you just disappear. Or, or as Rav Kook discusses by Rikas in many places, and it's found in the Svar Makadashim, sleeping has become one of the favorite pastimes of, of people as depression becomes deeper in society. We find that there's more and more sleep because, when, because sleeping, sleepfulness, is always a measure, I'm not saying a, a healthy measure of sleep to be, to be well and to be able to function, but sleeping as a form of leisure. Or people who will sleep to very, very, you know, will, will, will sleep for a, a very extensive amounts of time. So that's like Yona, when the world was falling apart. Yona, where was Yona, you remember? He was sleeping, in the, he was sleeping in, the, in the belly of the boat, right? So Yona was sleeping downstairs in the boat. So if Cook says, no, when a person feels withdrawn, when he feels lethargic and depressed, Instead of besimcha, taking on the responsibilities of life, the teva is the gechlufen. There are different ways to go to sleep. Some people go to sleep with their eyes open, also kiddu. But it means it means that a person withdraws. Sleep is a very, very cozy way to withdraw from reality. You just turn off the lights. You you cover yourself up, and you're gone. People people, of course, who are more desperate to retreat. They might seek that in, in halila, in drugs, or in alcohol, and so on. But this is a simon of depression. And when a person's simcha is depleted, he doesn't have, he doesn't have the kayach to fight against all that he must fight against in life. So what he's explaining, when it comes to chinuch, if a person is machshiv, he's miyakir, he, he values, and he recognizes the schus that he has to have children. Or if a person wasn't zaychet to have biological children, the schus to have students, to have friends, to be mashpia. If one doesn't recognize that and feel a great simcha, so then your kaychus become terribly depleted, and you become you become a person who's not effective in giving over what we were talking about last week. But what he's saying here is that every little mashuhu, any tiny bit that you could be mashpia, if you would realize how important these neshamas kedoshes are then every little bit that you could be mashpia makes a tremendous ration, then certainly you would be filled with simcha, you'd be filled with great joy. He continues, This is what the Rebbe wants of us. That we should, that we should undertake our business of parents, of teachers, we should be happy. I mean, I know it's almost, it, it's very odd to, to even think of such a thing. You know, to be happy, this is such a, a huge achrayis. We're going to talk about a teaching from the Piazzetz in a moment, you'll see. It's a gewaldigeschus that I have, that he gave me these children, or these students, or these friends in my life, that I have the schus, I have the schus to bring to them more elokus, more godliness, to be mashpi on them. Which is the tachlis of our lives. So he says that it once happened that a certain malamed, a malamed from Cheder, came to the Chsam Soifer. And he said to the Chsam Soifer, he's tired of being a, a, a Rebbe in Cheder, you know, for little boys. He's tired of being a Cheder Rebbe. He wanted to move on to a higher level. He wanted to be a Mashpia, you know, he wanted to go say a Shia. On a higher level in yeshiva, he was tired of an olive being an olive based rebbe. The heish of loch sam soifer, and the chsam soifer said to him, "Kaitzad yochel adam lazov darga tzumer kezushal matzdiki harabim kikaychavim." 
The Chassam Soifer said, how could a person want to to leave, to abandon such a madrega, such an awesome an awesome level of being in that category that's called, I'm going to explain what this means, Mazdike Harabim Kikaychavim. The Pasuk describes those Jews who are mashpia on others, who help and influence and bring others closer to the Rebbein Shalom, as Mazdike Harabim Kikaychavim, like stars. Those who bring righteousness, those who uplift and inspire others, like stars, Kikaychavim. Now what does that mean? And why was the Chassam Seifer, and certainly the Chassam Seifer knew that this, this Malamed would be able to be Mashpia on the boys in older grades as well. Why, why, Davke, why Davke as a Rebbe, for, a Rebbe for, the, for little children, very often, very often, and I, I have friends of mine who have been Rebbe's for younger boys, and very often they, they sense, this, they sense this, this atzvus, this sadness and despair, because you know, year after year, it's very difficult to get Sipak and Nefesh, so the child is able to say the Aleph Beis, Baruch Hashem. And the Rebbe thinks, you know, wow, if I could only be someone that could share my deepest thoughts and feelings. And similarly, many, many mothers feel this. You know, it's very hard to be inspired after changing thousands of diapers and, and, reading, and reading little nursery tales and, and having to deal with the, the daily routines of taking care of children. It's very, very difficult to feel inspired. And, and, and the one who's seeking inspiration in that, because of the material, is certainly going to be disappointed. Little Red Riding Hood is, is extremely confining, right? But, <clears throat> and so is taking care of the children in that, and, and looking at it in just that physical way. But the Chassam Saifa was saying to this Malamed was, you, how could you want to leave such a madrega of being matzdike harab kikarchavim? Now, if you understand what this means, matzdike harab kikarchavim, why is it? Dafka with little ones. Dafka with the little ones. That it's kikarchavim. And for those whose little ones are already growing up, so then you could share this with your children and their little ones. That matzdike harab kikarchavim, why is it that dafka with, with little kindalach, with little children? Although it includes the older ones as well. Everything that we're learning includes older children, but, but one, should, one tends to feel more of a sense of yeish. We know the famous saying amongst our people, kleine kinder, kleine tsaris, and grace kinder, grace tsaris, meaning that with little children it's more physically challenging. With older children they come home and they, you, know, you have these uh, contests, these matches of wits and of emotions. It's much more, I mean, I find it to be much, much more uh, uh, tiring and difficult to deal with, with the older ones, although certainly physically it's more difficult with the little ones. <clears throat> so, on both levels, there's no question that we are challenged to feel that simcha and that, and that schus. But there's something special with the little ones. Because there, you see, with the older ones, you sometimes, you know, you feel more, there's a certain reward that you get. When you hear something that comes from the older one, a dover muskel, something intelligent, you see, you see a daughter, a son under a chuppah. You see a, a bas taira, a ben taira. Well, the little ones, the mamish a of trouble and difficulties and, and, and uh, management and maintenance and so on. It's very difficult to get anything in return. Of course, you know, when they say a sweet word or there's a, or you say kriyash malamita or you see, you know, in the Shabbos outfit, that certainly does help. But in terms of r real returns, with the little ones, it's very difficult. The Chassam Seifer tells this Rebbe, what are you talking about? Why like stars? He says, He says, 
Why like a star? We understand. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. When we're in this world, to us the stars, I mean, in the country you're able to see some stars in the city we haven't seen in years. But we understand that when you look at a star, it appears to be so tiny and so insignificant. And you might fall into that misconception. And it's very easy to think that when you look at the star. But of course we know that really the star is is immense. It's hundreds if not thousands, tens of thousands of times greater than the size of the earth that we're, that we're standing on. Why does the star appear to be so tiny? Because it's so far from us. Therefore, Therefore, it seems to us to be very small. And because we don't have a true grasp of its greatness, you remember we were talking about this last week and two weeks ago, that the, that, that the PSS was explaining that in the, and we were talking from the Slonim also, that part of our problem is that we look at our children only as little children. And when you see the child as only a little child, not as a potential as a potential God will be Israel, as a potential, a potential uh, revelation of Kavit Shemayim in this world, but you just see the child as a little child, so then it's very difficult to feel any simcha or gratification taking care of that little troublemaker. It's very difficult. But when one realizes that when you're dealing particularly with children, it's Mazdiki Haram Kikaychovim that a child, that, 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 that in, the deepest, in the deepest sense, what is a child? But an immature body that contains within it a portion of God Himself. And not only that, but a child is untainted. The MS is that you and I really should be embarrassed in front of our children. Our children on a, on a, our children are unblemished, our children are pure. And all of us have already become somewhat to some different degrees defiled by this world and growing up in this world, and the children haven't. Therefore, all the Chazals that tell us that the world stands on the Tfilis and on the Tyre of children. So we don't understand the child. The child is a, a stack out little star that's so far from our understanding, therefore he appears, she appears to us to be so tiny. You should know that the child is, is greater than Kala Ilam Kula. That star is greater than this world. And shines with a wondrous light. Therefore, any Jew who's misasek, who's involved, who's occupied with these nishamas, with the children, bein melamed, whether it's a teacher, bein babayis, or if it's in the house, kol pam Any time that you mashpiel, that you give over something good, something real, to your child, to your daughter, to your son, to your daughter, harayze matzdike harabim kikaychavim. It's mamish matzdike harabim kikaychavim. It's you are you are Isaac. You are involved with a with a little star, whose greatness is so wondrous, is so beyond our grasp. Vizer writes next page vav. Vizer writes that Hashem is brought shenachzo uneshanin latzmenu tamid, and this is something that. We have to review over and over. Mamish every day. Not only every day, but a number of times each day. Therefore, 
that as long as in we're, we're in this world, we can't possibly understand the the schus and the chashivas of any tiny little benefit that you and I can bring to these wondrous little beings that were put into our under our care. That your mamish, you are, you are nurturing that star whose light you see only in the most tiny, the most tiny dose before your eyes, but whose root and source is mamish, something that's beyond our understanding, beyond this world. The rakish and egila ilam ha'emis, and only when we are 120 and we reach the world of truth, as nearest oitzim chashivas ve'gadol ha'or, then we're going to be able to understand the chashivas, the gadol ha'or, the great light. Shall call Dibur, any single word that you and I said, any word that we said that we gave over to the children. Call Dibur, even an, a gesture to make nice to a child. A gesture, even without saying. In this world, we don't see what that is. That we're with this Avoida, that's called Meleches Hashem, that we spoke about last week. That it's Mamish the Meleches Hashem in this world. Therefore, we know. Whenever you have a machshava thought of a simcha shal mitzvah, to do a mitzvah, but, do, but to do it besimcha. But to do it besimcha. Then, when you do that, when you ha- when you're in a state of simcha, mikasheres es ayehudi al hamitzvah, that connects you very deeply to the mitzvah. You feel attached to the mitzvah. Val yodhu zoyches ashchina tishrolav. And when you feel that simcha shal mitzvah, the shechina, the presence of Hashem becomes attached to you. Because every one of you knows that in a, in a state of sadness, the shechina runs away. When a person is sad, you fall deeper and deeper because the shechina is not with you, God forbid. Because the shechina is always v'chedva b'mkaymai. Hashem, Hashem's always in a good mood. Even though there's such a state of Hashem, it's now the three weeks of b'mistar, Hashem cries, but when He cries, He cries in a hidden place. But Oiz Vechedva Bimkaim, Hashem is Simcha. And therefore, the Shechina runs away from an environment that's depressing. Therefore, we find even B'darche Hanavua. In the ways of prophecy, we know from Elisha, and we know also from Shol HaMalach, who sought out David to play, that music is a way to be Misamech oneself. And through, and through bringing back that state of simcha, then the Navi can once again awaken within himself Ruach HaKadosh and Ruach HaNavur, the spirit of prophecy. And the Jewish people are all called B'nai Nevi'im, the children of prophets. But if a person, that doesn't mean that we could tell the future, but it means that we have some special dimension within us of godliness that's called Nevur. And if you or I are in a state of depression, then we become extremely confused Whatever seichel we have, when we're in a state of simcha, we lose when we're in a state of depression. And we become stam, confused and bewildered. Therefore, he says that if a person realizes, and is besimcha when he does a mitzvah, he's besimcha. I, I, I don't want to say, and I, I wouldn't want to, my wife, when she's here, I wouldn't want to embarrass her. So she went to, the, one of the, my daughters had some production someplace she went. So I could say, because she's not here, that, 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 um, that was a, one of the things that, that I was amazed by, um, of the of the many countless uh, things that I'm amazed by with her, is that uh, at one I, I mentioned this once at Ashia that um, that when when our oldest was was a little baby, so um, 
I, I, uh, there was some crying or something, and I, and I went towards the room. When I walked in, it, it was uh, a horrible sight. Uh, th- there was a terrible mess. I mean, she made it wasn't just a. I don't want to become graphic, but it wasn't just that she had an accident. It was. It was all over the place. I don't even know Adhayim. Like she was playing, you know. I don't want to. Go. But it was. Ter- it was. It was one of those terrible things. So here I was going to be the heroic father and go and change the baby and take care of her a little bit. But when I, of course, when I, the moment I walked in and I saw and smelled what was happening. So I, I, I said, Michla, uh, that's my wife. And I, I just, you know, I took, I took my, uh, I walked back like from Shemnesra. And I, and I said, this is, uh, I, I just, I can't start here. This is too much. So um, it was really horrible. And, 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 and I, I went uh, into my study. There was a couple of doors down. And my wife went to take care of the ear of the baby. And, um, and it, it was a really, it was, it was, it was uh, disgusting to deal with. And I, and I was, I was in the, I was in my room, and I, and I uh, was walking to get to another room to get some safer, and I, and I heard my wife say, "Hareini mekabel alai mitzvah sasei shall be a haftle racha kamaycha." I accept upon myself the mitzvah of loving another Jew. And you know something, your child is also a Jew, and when you take care and clean up a child, it's a mitzvah. Havis is told me deraisa from the Torah mamish, and and I spoke to her about that afterwards, not the same day, but much later, because. I spoke to her about that, and, and, and she said that she, she felt like so horrible, it was so horrible that she had to find something to be misamech, or like to be able to deal with this and not, you know, not be overwhelmed by the whole task. And she remembered that, that I, I'm not, she said, I'm not, I'm not, like a, I'm not a cleaning lady. I'm not, the, I'm not some cleaning lady. I, this is my child, and th- this is another Jew. And, and, every single, and every single thing that I'm doing right now is a mitzvah from the Torah of Ahavas Yisrael. And she said, when having that thought, instead of becoming lowered and feeling defiled and ugly by, by uh, dealing with this, she, she was able on some level to feel, on some level to feel that there's, some, there's importance, there's chashivas, even to this kind of a thing, even to this. One of the most remarkable things that I ever saw, and I, I used to, when we used to live in Farakway, there was an old, an old Rav there that um, he had... He has uh, a number of sons that are all Tamil Chachamim. They all have different Batim from different places in, in the city and outside the city. Very Chashub family. He already is not in this world, the old Rav. But he insisted every week to go to the Mikvah Shabbos morning. It must have taken, each week was a different son. It must have taken the walk. must have taken an hour and a half or two each way. Because he was taking tiny and it was quite a few blocks away. And I remember seeing this in 95 degrees. This old Rav, I mean, his Messias Nefesh for the Mikveh, but the sons. And I would sometimes be in the Mikveh, Shabbos morning, and the, and the son would be there with his father, with the Rav. And the way that he was metapal in his father, I never saw in my life the way that he took care of his father. It took him another hour to undress, to walk with him, and to hold him, carry him into the Mikveh, and everything he was saying, is a good tata. And my, uh, he was a Marichal Zayn tata. I never saw such a thing in my life. Each one of the sons, with such ahava, with such mesivus halev hanefesh, and then and then after the whole thing, until finally he's all dressed and with the shtrimel, and then to go outside again, or walk back. I never saw that. I said the the should help that my parents should be well. This in Swansik that I should have a little bit of a shemitz of that kind of of that kind of mesivus to a parent. That only comes when a person sees this as a schus. If you see this as a resp- only purely 
as a responsibility, as a chayv that was thrown upon you, then you begin to have this time, how come my, my sister only had one week and I took care of two weeks? And you begin to be in that whole, you become enmeshed in that kitnes of that, and, and, and become impatient. <clears throat> the, but the, when a person realizes the yakris and the chashivas of a mitzvah, so then you're able to do it besimcha. So the chasam soifer was mo'aydeh, the chasam soifer was encouraging this melamed, he was encouraging this melamed that you are, you're, little, you're with little stars. You don't know what hashpah, you can't b- believe what hashpah you're making. You know, the Kotzker, you're, everybody heard of the Kotzker, right? When Mendel from Kotsk, he was a mamisha, an eshlahav, a burning coal. So the Kotzker, when he, when he was already very famous, he went back to his hometown of Tamashov. He went back uh, to, 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 to see, to, he had seen him there to see the family. And now it's like the 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 the, uh, the boy, you know, the the hero. He was the hero of the town, the hometown boy that made it big. So the Kotzke came back, and the whole town came to Makabel Ponim from the Kotzke. And what happened was that there was a um, there was a whole sechsuch, there was a whole fight. Where would the Rebbe stay when he's in town? And there were two people there who were who were vying for position to have the schus to have the could be Makabel him to stay there. But the Kotzker walked into town. He went immediately to his first grade rabbi, to his cheder rabbi, and he kissed him on the hand. And he says, Rabbi, would you permit me to stay by you? And the other one was very upset. He was very upset. Because the other one was a famous London, and he had the Kotzker for years. When he was you know, already learning on a higher level, Gemarashitosis, you know. Huh? So the Kotzker felt this, and the Kotzker went to his other rabbi from when he was older. So the Kotzker went to him, and he says, Rabbi, please be Michael me. You see, the difference is as follows. I, I respect you. And I love you, but you see, you've been you taught me very difficult sugyas, difficult subjects in Gemara and Poskim and so on. I have to say the truth is that I'm still not entirely sure of what all of that meant. But my first grade rabbi told me Aleph Beis, Bo Hashem and Aleph Beis. I know. He says that's clear to me. So I I I have to be behind my first grade rabbi. Right. So as parents with little ones, especially that clarity is coming from the beginning to know that there's a Rebbein Shalom that loves them to know what it means to be a Jew those messages that are given over from when they're, the, from when they're little from when they're small and as they grow those are the those are, are the messages that are going to give them the kaychis to get through all of the nisyanis the difficulties of this world but when you're in it you forget that and you become extremely frustrated and sometimes you become you become overwhelmed and you can't deal with it um, therefore, what he's saying here is that you have to be besimcha with every little moment that you that you're able to to, to have the schus to deal with the children. I want to read to you a paragraph from the Chayvus Talmidim of the of the Rabbi from Piyazetzna, which I've told you about this sefer. That really, really, it's kedai for everybody to learn properly the sefer. It's in English. It's in Hebrew. It's in English. It's called the student's obligation <coughs> to read it through and through a few times. So. He's speaking here in the second chapter. He's talking to the to the students, to the boys. He 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 had an introductory chapter to the parents and to the teachers, and now he's speaking to the boys. And but what he says to the boys is very much nogeya to us, and exactly what what we just exactly what we just learned. And he says the following: Do not become depressed. Do not let your heart sink at the thought of your great responsibility. You know that a lot of the a lot of the children are also overwhelmed. 
especially the boys, when they come into yeshiva, the boys are very, very overwhelmed. Very often they're overwhelmed. Uh, you know, I know that when my son started this year in Mesifta, so in the beginning, which was that time of Tashlich time, Slichas Tashlich, he was crying constantly. And, uh, because why? Because, because maybe he wasn't in, maybe in eighth grade, seventh, eighth grade, he wasn't prepared a certain way, and he came to ninth grade. And, the, and in the class, there were like two or three really, really like sharp kids, you know. And the Rebbe, of course, was talking mostly to them in the beginning, right? And, and my son said he just was watching like a ping pong game. You know, this, that, kasha, question, terrorist, and he said he couldn't, he just, and, my, and he's a smart boy, can I know, but he, he said he, was, he couldn't follow. And he became totally overwhelmed. Totally overwhelmed. And what happens to the boy who's going through that year after year, feeling totally overwhelmed, knowing that the only way that you're going to be considered to be choshev in the, in the world, in the yeshiva world, is if you're somebody that's able to be part of the ping pong game, right? And if you don't know how to play ping pong, you could be the nicest guy in the world. You could be the biggest Baal Chesed. You could be a great Davin and a big Tehillim Zogah. But in how the yeshiva, in how in the yeshiva world one is measured, a child can begin to look at himself as being Ma'amish Allah as being an unsuccessful person. And he could take that with him, God forbid, his whole life, thinking that he's unsuccessful. So the Rebbe is telling them, do not be depressed. Do not let your heart sink at the thought of your great responsibility. Depression is an evil trait. It has a pernicious effect on the mind and heart and leads to discouragement and neglectfulness. Instead, this is what you should do. In the morning upon awakening, think, and this is for us also, in the morning upon awakening, think over the essence of what we have written here. Think about the great responsibility that is yours. Be concerned, but do not be depressed. There's a difference between being concerned and being depressed. The difference is as follows. The Piazetzin explains what's the difference between being concerned and being depressed. Because certainly what we're learning tonight about being besimcha does not mean you should be negligent. Hey, everything is great. That's fine. I'm so happy. <laughs> and see your kids, God forbid, like going off and doing the great. Hey, it's great. I'm, you know, it's terrific. They're not, that's not, certainly that's not what the Sadiqim are talking about. But there's a difference between being concerned parents and being depressed parents. Be concerned, but do not be depressed. The difference is as follows. Someone who had a great fortune and then lost it all might fall into despair and depression. If you had a great treasure and you lost it, you had a great fortune and you lost it, you could become depressed. Someone who knows where a great fortune is buried, deep in the ground, will worry and be concerned about the enormous amount of labor necessary to reach the treasure. The more concerned and worried he is about his task, the more resolved and determined he becomes to succeed and to work with great joy until he does succeed. Do you understand this, Marshall? This is something that should be on the refrigerator. It should be on the wall. The difference between concerned and depressed. Depressed means gewalt is verfallen. Alles verfallen. It's lost. It's lost. And, and, and you know, many times when, you know, like something with, with the children, I, I know that I felt like that after I, after I, you know, raised my voice, especially to one of my children, that over the years, I like more than the others, I really was hard on her. And, and, and then afterwards, I would feel, of course, terribly guilty and I couldn't sleep and I was sick about it. So I would, the first thing I'd always say to my wife, you know, I would, I would say, uh, I'm Amish destroyed her. <laughs> you know, I broke her. Tonight I really destroyed her. And, and my wife would always say, what are you talking about? She's, she's a child and she's young and you love her. And tomorrow, you know, it's not again. It doesn't... <clears throat> but if you become depressed with the children, then it's like someone who had a great fortune. Because when the child was born, Mazel, Mazel, we were all very happy, Baruch Hashem. And you feel, ach, I've lost the treasure. 
I've lost my treasure. My treasure is gone. Then you become you become depressed. When you become depressed, then you have no cheshek and you don't. And you become you become completely completely ineffective, and everything falls apart. But when a but when a person knows that there's a treasure, but believes with all of his heart that the treasure is buried deep down, then you're concerned, and you're worried because there's a great responsibility and there's a lot of work that lies ahead. But you don't become depressed because you know, and that's what we were talking about the last few weeks, you know that there's a treasure. And you believe that with all of your heart. Then instead of becoming depressed and giving up hope, you become filled with what? With, a, with an exuberance and with a simcha to, to move forward and to dig deep to get to the bottom of that and to, and, to, and to get to that treasure that you know is there, that you believe is there. And a child can tell when a parent no longer believes that the treasure is there. The parent, the child can tell when the Rebbe doesn't believe the treasure is there, when the Mora does not believe. The child can tell. And he goes on and says, so you have to be concerned about it. But be strong and joyous in your holy task. And each day allow your concern and worry about accomplishing it to diminish. For continuous worry and concern weaken the mind. It cannot be sustained for any length of time anyway. That even worry and concern, be careful, not too much. Just be sure to continually remember your purpose and your aim. You hear this? Your purpose and your... And we're going to talk a lot more about this in the next piece inside our little cipher. Be con sure to continually remember your purpose and your aim. Remember, but do not worry. There's a difference. Remember in the same way that a traveler must continuously remember his destination in order not to lose his way and must often remind himself of the purpose of his journey in order to hurry himself along and not become distracted. You're like somebody, you and I, we're like people who were on a journey. And not to get mashuga, not to get crazy, not to be depressed, but to remind ourselves of what the purpose of the journey is and where we have to go. And reminding oneself is not the same thing as becoming depressed and becoming sick with, with, with fear and with worry. <clears throat> but to be concerned and to accept the responsibility and to, and to constantly be cognizant of the fact that I, that I am on this remarkable journey. And this leads us exactly into the next piece here, into the third paragraph on page Vav. Ha'emesi. In, in the actual paragraph. We don't have to read the title. Ha'emesi. Ever have the place? The truth is. He says, it's difficult for me to list and to go through all the different taxisim, all the different tactics and strategies that are used by the Yitzhahar to cause us to forget the schus that we have and the simcha that we should have being parents and teachers. He says, I want to focus, however, on one prat, one detail. Listen carefully to this, because this is exactly what we're talking about now from this paragraph from the Chavis Talmidim of the Piazetzna. He says, The Yitzhahar is trying with all of its strength. Listen to this. More than anything, the Yitzhahara is trying to cause you and I to forget for whose sake we are doing all of this work. Why are we doing this? And for whom are we doing all of this? If you, if you would think, meditate, and think honestly, between you and I, I mean, you and the Rebbein Shalom, that 
But you have to dive into the Baruch Shalom. And you, have to, you have to talk to the Baruch Shalom about this. Help me to remember that all that I am doing with my children is what? Is for your sake. Is Lamancha. Why am I doing this? What's my destination? What's my goal? That goes back to the first talk that we had. The whole tachlis of having children, which is to be Mabed Kvod Shemaim, to bring more Kavod Hashem to the world. For whose sake am I doing all of this? Lamashal, for instance, he says, Eitzel Melamed, by a teacher, by a rabbi, by Melamed. By a Rebbe, there could be Yetzar. The Yetzar comes in and is telling the Rebbe, the Iker is you have to look good in the eyes of the parents. You have to be somebody that the parents will like. Or you have to be somebody that the administration will favor. Right, in the eyes of the Menahel, of the principal. Or on a higher level, uh, you, you, sometimes the administrators, their main concern, God forbid, might they begin to fall into this mistake to think that the most important thing is that our Moisad, that our what? Our institution has a certain name. That we have a certain reputation. You understand this? Maybe that Moisad, or maybe that institution belongs to a certain big yeshiva, or a certain big chesidus, and you want to make more chash of the name of that chesidus, of that uh, yeshiva shayilam. And you, you, begin to, you begin to, what, lose focus... And you begin to think this is the tachlis of, of my being here is to increase the covet, the prestige of the shul or of my shear. That's with a rabbi, a teacher, a manahal, a principal. Next, next column. The Eitzel Hoyrim, but by parents. How does this Yetzel Hoyrim, how does this Yetzel manifest itself by parents? The Eitzel Hoyrim, Yochelai Yetzel is Gabba Bechelik Mapulus, Shikra Kavonetilim Sechain Beineharoim. You want people to look at you and say, oh, that's a fine family. Look at them. Look at what a wonderful family that is. Or parents that only are worried, what do my children think of me? What do my children think of me? Sometimes, he said, a person can do Action, act after act of what? Of Ruchnius and Gashmius with the children in the home, in spiritual things, teaching and so on, and going over the olive base, Kriya and all the stuff, and, and in, and in Gashmius, feeding and taking care of and changing all of these things. That you give over to the kids. Sometimes it's only so that my children shouldn't bother me. Your whole tachlis is to get them out of the way. A good child is a non-intrusive child. <clears throat> and all that you're doing is, I want to get this job over with, to finish up, so that the kid will leave me alone. We would never say that. Or maybe in a desperate mood someone would say that. But it could be, you're doing all these nice things. Come here, sweetheart. Come here, I said, sweetheart. Right? You're doing all these nice things for your child, but it's all for one tachlis, for zichalein, that you should have some some quiet and spare time. Not that it's not coming to any of us. I'm not saying he's not saying God forbid we don't deserve a little manucha. But the point is, it could be that you're doing thousands of nice little things for your kids, and it's it could be a to make an impression. To make an impression, how many parents I have spoken to who have lost total sight of who their children are and what their children can become and should become because they're worried 
What's the Oilam going to say? What's going to be with the Shidduch? What's, the, what's this one going to say? What does that one think? And I have parents that'll, that'll suffocate a child, that'll kill a child. You know, we're talking about it. We had a discussion with some Chavim recently about, you know, there was a boy that he, he wanted to wear a colored shirt. Oh, okay. So in, his, in, his, in, his, in that Oilam, a colored shirt, so the parents already saw this is it. He'll never get a good Shidduch. You know, we're talking about someone that's 12, 13 years old. He's never going to get a good shidduch, and his life is ruined, and our, our reputation is destroyed. And, and that will cause the parents to talk to the, to the boy in a way that's totally inappropriate. Totally inappropriate. Look what you're doing. You're, you're, you're bringing shame upon our families. He just, you know, he just wants to wear a cold shirt. It's not, uh, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that the Chavetz Haim did or that the Samarov did, but, uh, but they didn't live necessarily. You know. we, our children are taking the blame for us bringing them up in, certain, in a certain way. We made certain choice, and we're bringing up in a certain place. And then you give him a patch because he doesn't, because he is interested in something. What's his fault? I'll call him. My, the question is not whether he should wear the shirt or not. The point is that very often we, we lose track of why are we being mechanech children. We want to, our children to be God-fearing, healthy, well-adjusted Jews who are going to bring more covered Hashem to the world. And is it, does it all depend upon the color of the kid's shirt? And you might end up reacting in a way to that kid that will bring down his... Any covered Shemayin that he'll bring because he'll feel so emotionally and spiritually depleted and so lost because he's brought shame upon his family that he's not going to end up being the productive Jew that he can be. Because of what? Because you have a certain idea, wherever that comes from, maybe it's right, the world is so crazy, that because of that shirt, he's never going to get the nice girl that comes out of this place and so on. And we're going to have to settle... And we're going to have to do this and that. And all of this is coming from, from a Yetzirah that's covered and kinder and, and all small things that, that we should be ashamed of, really. Instead of worrying about the tachlis of that child becoming a healthy and ripe fruit in Hashem's garden. Very often it's that the children shouldn't bother. The children shouldn't bother. You forget sometimes. If you think, I'm doing this, like, like I told you to my wife, that I'm doing this for the mitzvah of I'm doing this to, to what? Mahu, just like Hashem is merciful, I want a child that has compassion. I want a child to be loving. I want my child to be good. Why? Because that means more godliness in the world, as we spoke about the first time. That's what I want my child to be. That's a tachlis in me being a parent. Then you real if you think about that, you realize, with the smile that I'm giving now, I'm fulfilling a mitzvah. Because if your whole purpose of smiling to the kid is because if I smile, maybe I'll get a good shidduch. So then, you, you know, it just comes to the point that you're tired of smiling. How long can you live for other people? It becomes tiring after a while. To live for Yenim. You just can't stand it anymore. And there's a very dangerous smallness that's descended upon our community. And, is very, and there are many, many casualties. And they'll make all these classes and seminars. There are a lot of casualties from the parents themselves whose smiles, whose words are not for the tachlis that we've been talking about. Which is Lassus Nachas Ruch. Otsum Lavinish to bring Nachas Ruch to the Rebbein Shalom. If you learn with your child and your thought is, I'm, I want to be in the midst of teaching Torah to a Jewish child, they call Dibur every word that you're saying. The whole secret, every story that you tell the child, the whole hadroch and every guidance, every word of guidance. Lasas nachas ruach, you give great nachas. The Liska is the One mitzvah after the other. It becomes less frustrating. 
mitzvahs rabbis v'neflois. He says it's possible to be parents for many, many years. And if you don't remember and ask and daven to the Baruch to have the destination in mind, to remember the treasure that's buried here. You could spend many years being parents without ever having a true relationship with your children without truly relating to them in terms of who they really are. That Hashem wants us to feel and wants us to think of in our dealings with each of these holy and pure neshamas that Hashem has given us as a gift. And if you think about that, then even the smallest gesture, act, even the, even the smallest little discussion that you'll have with a child takes on infinitely greater significance. And instead of feeling small and tired and overwhelmed and overworked, I mean, naturally, it's draining. But when a person's life, as he said, we spoke about last week, is with that bigger way of looking at things, so then you realize the zikhi that you have. And especially in our days, especially in our days, when every little effort that we make is infinitely more significant than, than, than what was in the old days. Because it's so much harder. It's so much harder. They say from the Chavetz Chaim, there's, you know, there was a Maisa from Chavetz Chaim. The Chavetz Chaim, Chavetz Chaim once, uh, he met a certain businessman. This businessman was in the lumber business. And was known to be a big, a big uh, merchant, a Chashev, a Gvir. So the Chavetz Chaim met this Jew. And he asked him, you know, Chavetz Chaim is very, very friendly. So Chavetz Chaim asked him, no, or whatever, Rabbi Yankel, how's business doing? So, the, so this Rabbi Yankel says, oh, Rabbi, he says to Chavetz Chaim, it's very, very, very difficult, very, but I'm having a hard time. So Chavetz Chaim said, no, Dave, it should help the Yishtav, it should go better. Amen. A few, few years later, it's the, it's the midst of World War One. World War One, everything was falling apart. In Poland, Russia, everything was falling apart. So Chavetz Chaim met this year, and Chavetz Chaim says, Rabbi Yankel, how's your going business? So Rabbi Yankel says, Rabbi, Baruch Hashem, it's never been better. Chavetz Chaim asked him, I don't understand, when I saw you before the Milchama, before the war, and I asked you, how's business? Oh, you said it's terrible. And now it's the Milchama, and you're telling me it's good. So he says, Rabbi, I'll tell you, I'm sorry to say, maybe it doesn't sound nice, but, but what happened is as a result of the war, you see, he said, before the war, there were, there were hundreds of guys in the lumber business. So every time I sold a piece of wood, it was with competition and with problems and difficulties that I should be able to be matzlich and sell a piece of wood. But now it's the Muhammad. Honestly, most of my competition was destroyed and is out of business, I'm sorry to say. And, and therefore, people, when they want to buy something, they have very little to choose from. So, Baruch Hashem, business is fantastic. So, Chavetz Chaim, when he heard this, he started to dance. He started mamish to dance. And, and this is what he said when he was dancing. Chavetz Chaim said, all my life I'm thinking, what could it possibly mean, me, Yisrael Meyer, my learning, my davening, my mitzvahs? What does it mean? There used to be a Rashi, there was a Rabbeinu Tam, there was a Rambam, there was a Ramban, right? There used to be these great people. So what could it possibly mean that me, Yisrael Meyer, that I'm serving you? What do you have for my Avayda? But did you hear, he says, what this Jew said? Is that back in the old days there was a lot of competition. There was a lot of competition. So the Bani Shalom was picky. You understand? 
So he was picky. Who to choose from? It's not so poshut. There are a lot of people that were, that were offering up big davening, big, big mitzvahs, big tire. So says, but nowadays now, the Baruch Shalom's business is so down. And there are so few yidin that still believe in God. So if Yisrael Meir tries a little bit to learn in daven, so the Baruch Shalom has to take this schayr. He doesn't have much other schayr to take. So he was misameach himself with this atkebekach that he, that he couldn't stop dancing. And if we would think about that, that in our generation, every little tnua, any tiny little effort that we make, any any dibra taiv, any good word, any 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 hadroch that we give to another Jew, has such significance. It's such amazing schayr in these days, in this world of terrible darkness. So then we would also maybe maybe once in a while feel like you know kicking off our shoes and dancing a little bit too. But instead, we tend to be hard on ourselves. And subsequently, we become very hard on the children. And we measure them, you know, sometimes we measure them in a way, and we measure ourselves in a way that's not realistic. And in doing so, we cause ourselves harm, we cause the children harm. Instead of realizing the simcha, the zechiyah gadayl that we have with every single good word and action. So he ends this page, let's just read, Chazal HaKadoshim Mi'irim Lanu. Therefore, we learned last week that the Gemara says in Bava Basra, and it's brought down in Shulchan Aruch, that Davke teaching Jewish children is called Malachas Hashem, the work of God. Not other mitzvahs, even though every mitzvah is serving Hashem, but this is called Malachas Hashem. Why is this called Because we have to bang it into our heads, drill it into our hearts every day that this is the Malachas Hashem. I'm changing a diaper. I'm, I'm, I'm putting a, a band-aid on the boo-boo. I'm saying a kind word. I'm talking to the teacher for the 20th time this year. I'm trying this. I'm trying that. This is Malachas Hashem. Because, you know, when you're putting on film, it's not so hard to know that it's Malachas Hashem. And when, you, and when you're lighting Shabbos candles, it's Malachas Hashem. But when you're dealing with these things day to day, you could forget. And you might want, you might forget, what's the goal of what I'm doing? Is it for covid that I should have children that everybody says, oh, look at these kids? Or is it as a, a teacher that my school should be matzliach, or I should have a good reputation, or for a principal to say that our moisad is the most chosh of a moisad, the most chosh of a moisad? You could forget. Therefore, Davke here, Chazal went out of their way. And it's brought down, in Shulchan Aruch, that Davke, this is called Meleches Hashem, to remind yourself every day, what is the destination, what is the goal? Because the Yetzirah wants to take away from us and to tell us it's not Malachas Hashem. It's whose Malachas? It's my Malachas. For my family's name. For my yeshiva's name. For my community's name. And you forget that it's Malachas Hashem. We have to review this and remind ourselves. That the Bereshit has given us, as we learned the first week, has given us the koiches to be mashpia. He's given us the tools that we need for this malacha. You would never ever send someone to do a malacha. Go fix, go go fix this, uh, this uh, go go fix this thing in the house without giving the person a screwdriver, without giving the proper, without giving him the proper uh, hammer or nail that he needs. The Bereshit gave us a children. He says, "Go, this is the malachas Hashem." You think he would send us on this shlichus and malachas Hashem without giving us the kalim? It's ridiculous. He would never do such a thing. It's not shaykh. We would never do that. 
So we have these kaiches, la shpia la hadrich la sayeya velazer velimsel in the shomas halu as kol mashem's kukim utsrichel makabel keis ves kol mashem yichrum sugolim makabel. That we have the kalim that we have all of the kalim that we need. Everything that we need in order to be mashpia, in order to be able to give over to the children exactly what the child is able to be makabal. But if we forget that this is Malachas Hashem and we become lost in this superficial, shallow silliness, that this is somehow for some other reason other than producing nachashtik yid, another piece of godliness, nachashtik elakus in this world, what's the tachlis of having our children? What are we bringing them up for? What's it, what's it about? If you don't remember the objective, the sign of a great person is always to have the objective, the goal in mind. Never to forget the goal of why we had children to begin with. Of why we had children to begin with. I know people that they, they've had arguments and fights. They get into all this. I had a call once. It's a Maisha Shahaya. My wife will verify this. That there was a Maisha Shahaya that someone called me up a quarter to four in the morning. This is not so uncommon by us, uh, uh, but I had, but usually it's 2.33, but this is a quarter to the four. So, of course, right away, you know, I got nervous. My parents, this, that, I didn't know. So I pick up the phone, <clears throat> and somebody, a woman says, my name is so-and-so. I never heard of her. And, uh, and, and I said, is this an emergency? So she says, yes. So I said, okay, what's the, what is it? You know, by this time, you know, I'm sitting up, and I'm thinking, well, who knows what this is? So she tells me that that she has a problem because her sister-in-law had another baby and she only has this many babies and she's very jealous of her sister-in-law. And she finds that this jealousy is eating her up alive. Which which I understand is a painful thing. Whether or not that should have been at a quarter four in the morning, I don't know why exactly why I couldn't wait till the next day. But apparently she was, at that moment, she must have been throwing darts at a picture of her sister-in-law. And she, and she was overwhelmed with, with this. Uh, and she's wants to be a good person so I suppose that that's what, it, what that was I don't know whatever I don't know who she was or is I, I just spoke to her that night that morning a little bit and she didn't you know we didn't speak again but I tried to give her some chizik but but I said I asked her do you have healthy children do you have children how many children do you have she says she has four children I said they're healthy children she says can I know her they're healthy children you have four healthy children and and where is your sister-in-law holding in the competition <laughs> so you understand that she had what she had a fifth so my layer was Hashem. you understand and here it's the opposite feeling that that her sister-in-law is winning so i spoke to her exactly about this that that morning i said listen what's the tachlis what do you want why do you have children and what are you worried about what are you worried about obviously there are deeper issues here with the sister-in-law it's not just this right but what are you what are you thinking about with your children what do you want from your children what do you expect of your children do you want do you want little things that could be mounted and can be shown to the world as some sort of a justification for your being in the world for your being here in the world so that people should say look at the, look at this woman she is able to raise such chashavit children is that the tachlis or how how many children how many children that this couple was able to produce? Is that the tachlis? I want to tell you a story. The name of the tzaddik for now is not important. It was one of the tzaddikim of Chabad who had heard through his daughter that his, the two of his sons were having a disagreement regarding the nature, regarding the stature of a Jew. And the daughter had reported 
that one of the sons, not the one who was going to become the future Rebbe, but that one of the boys uh, failed to see the greatness of simple Jews. He couldn't understand what makes a simple Jew so special, what makes a simple Jew so different from a non-Jew. After all, they seem to carry about the same basic schedule, live the same basic lives, with the exception of you know, a pair of tefillin here and there, and Shabbos and so on, but he couldn't see what meaning was there in the life of a Jew, and how different was that Jew from a, from a non-Jewish neighbor. So the Rebbe, the Rebbe heard about this conversation, and he he asked his two sons to appear before him. I'm not sure if it was both sons or that son to come to him. And they came. And the Rebbe said, I want you to go, I want you to go and uh, go to the stable and fetch Ivan. Ivan was one of the servants in the uh, court of the Rebbe. Go fetch Ivan. I have to ask him something very important. And the boys went and they brought Ivan. And the, and the Rebbe and the Rebbe asked Ivan, says, tell me, Ivan, why do you, uh, why do you, uh, no, he said, he began saying, what is it, Ivan, that you do in the day? Tell me your schedule. So Ivan described the schedule about how he gets up and he washes and eats and so on, and he goes to work. And then the Rebbe said, and tell me, Ivan, why do you go to work? So Ivan said, I go to work, Rebbe, I go to work to make, to make a living. And why do you need to make a living? Rebbe, I have to make a living so that I could, so that I should be able to, that I should be able to uh, to eat. I should be able to live. And Rebbe says, so why do you eat? I eat in order to live. And why do you live, Ivan? Why do you need to live? And Ivan said immediately, Rebbe, I need to live so that, hopefully that night I'd be able to go and and buy myself a drink and 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 enjoy myself with my friends and uh, and relax. So the Rebbe said, that's very good, Ivan. Thank you for answering the questions. And he sent them away. And then the Rebbe said to his sons, go bring now, go bring now Yankala, you know, the uh, the Vasatrega, the water carrier, the simplest, simplest, most disregarded Jew in town. And and they brought him, and he was shaking. The Rebbe says, tell me, Yankala, uh, tell me your schedule. And Yankala described the schedule, also washing a little bit and eating and you know, diving and eating and so on. And the Rebbe says, tell me, Yankala, why do, why do you go to work? He says, Rebbe, I go to work so that I should be able to that I should be able to uh, earn a living. And why do you need to earn a living? Rebbe, I need to earn a living so that I should be able to eat. And why do you need to eat, Yankala? I need to eat. I need to eat, Rebbe, that is so that I should live. And then the Rebbe said, and tell me, Yankala, so why do you need to live? And when Yankala heard that question, he was quiet for a few minutes, and he began to cry. And then he says, Rebbe, why do I need to live? What should I tell you? I need to live that I should be able to return to the Master of the Universe. That I should one day be able to serve Him properly. So that I shouldn't leave this world without remembering my Tachlis. And the Rebbe hugged him and sent him away. And he said to his two sons, he said, you see, you see, it might look on the outside, it might appear, it might seem that everything is the same, Ivan and Yankala. You just have to ask you just have to keep on probing, keep on asking, trying to understand, to get to the bottom of a Jew, to get to the end of who he is. The end of a Jew, the bottom of a Jew, his tachlis, is to serve the master of the world. I'm afraid in our child-rearing, we sometimes stop along the way. 
we don't get to that last question of so why do I need to live why do I need to live the Bansham should help us that we should remember why we're living and if we remember we're focused on why we're living then certainly certainly it'll help us to remember why is it that the Bansham has blessed us with children and what kind of life we need to give to our children and to remember the tachlis of being in this world and that's chus will be zayichim et Hashem to see that time and the Bansham will make known to each and every one of us why did we have to go through what we went through why did our children go through what they've gone through and that day the Bansham will bring us all back to him the kibbutz goliath but via his gold setting him your main or main for main